Hello and welcome to Commagers. I'm Brian Costello. And I'm Jim DeSanto. And today we're going to be looking at Kevin Costner's Field of Dreams. But first, as always, we ask the most pressing question of all, what are we drinking this episode? Jim, what do you got? So tonight I'm revisiting the uh, 1792 Foolproof Bourbon. It is, uh, it's good. It's, is, it's a is solid, this the one you were? Bourbon. Is this the one you were kind of am the yeah, first time? Yeah, it's, 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 it's okay. Okay. I, that Stag Junior has sort of ruined a lot of bourbon for me. It is so good. Um, it's just hard to find. It's not even that crazy expensive. I mean, it's like sixty dollars for the bottle, which is not. That's not bad for no. a good, especially if you like it. No, because there's you know there's a ton of drinks in each bottle compared to a bottle of wine. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, it's but very of good. course, if you're gonna purchase a bottle of wine, you should purchase One Hope wine oh, from so, Katie DeSanto. That's true, Brian. That's I don't true. know. I'm, I'm kind of disgusted by the Mets stuff. Why are you disgusted by it? I just, We're talking about baseball. You're not supporting your baseball team. I'm, I have my Mets hat. I'm wearing my authentic game-worn uh, Greg Jeffries jersey, actually from 1989, the year that our movie today, Field of <laughs> Dreams, came from. There's I perfect know. synergy. <clears throat> I have seen that jersey steps. numerous times. I think it's hilarious that that – that is the quality of those game-worn jerseys from the 80s. They're so, like, heavy and polyester. Oh, I that, can't like, imagine having played in this thing. Yeah. Like, I went to um, a game this season. Um, Aileen's parents are nice enough for Christmas. The Mets, for the first time since we moved up here, so it's, you know, just over eight years, actually, came to Fenway Park. And it was, like, a warm September day, and I was, like, sweating in this thing. I wore it. Oh, I'm my like, God, that's how, hilarious. How would you be playing a game in this thing? But, it, uh, you know, so was the uh, the times. Yeah, uh, yeah. My drink uh, today is going to be Yards, um, the Pale oh, Ale. Oh, yeah, that's a good uh, one. Which I'm, yeah, I'm super excited, actually. Um, next weekend, um, I'll be coming down to Philadelphia for the Big Pale Reason show. Yep. And uh, I'm going to catch up with both my brothers at the Yards Brewery, which you and I have been to. We have. Uh, uh, and it's a super cool spot, so I'm I'm very excited for that. And also, it's not a drink of the week, but I actually made I posted on social media. Um, nothing's better than beer and hot dogs, but when you talk about a movie about baseball, nothing's better than beer and pigs in the blanket. And I actually used my Nathan's pig in the blanket maker. So where uh, where did that come from? Uh, Aileen got this for me. I'm not sure where it is, but it's basically for those who can't, you know, are, are just listening. It's like a George Foreman grill, but the grill part of the George Foreman has been um, substituted for a uh, little trays where you can put the pigs in the blanket and cook it. And uh, and it is delicious. Pigs in the blanket are delicious. There yeah. was only three things I asked for at um my my wedding at the reception i did not i was not too picky about anything in the whole wedding i asked for miller light at the bar Fair. i asked i asked for um scallops wrapped in bacon because they are delicious uh and i asked for pigs in a blanket and pigs in a blanket was probably number one right and, they, and, it, and but it, and almost a deal breaker for that wedding it was we would have to go to a different venue yeah. They actually didn't make pigs in a blanket uh, yeah. at this venue, which was beautiful in the shot at Country Club. Uh, and I'll be having it with some delicious, as is a must, um, Goulden Spicy Brown mustard. I thought it was almost a deal breaker for Aileen to have pigs in a blanket at her wedding. Well, to be fair, when you're marrying me, your standards are probably not to the point where you're well, going to you end You have to draw the line somewhere, Brian, and I think... Maybe oh, she she compromised and she has given you a lot of a lot of rope here. 
She's yeah, giving you I a mean, lot of wiggle room. Everybody really enjoyed them, though. So yeah, I, it was they delicious. Were, they were. Uh, they were. I was today. literally right. just telling one of my coworkers tonight about your wedding and how you curated the last like hour of music and how that made for an awesome experience. I know, and I have to admit, you you knowing me all these years have to be shocked that I was able to put together. We choreographed with I with the DJ the exact order of the songs, and he was basically told you cannot deviate like the right. whole wedding we didn't well, care he's a very good dj but we said i said the last basically eight songs need to be these eight I, songs i think that i i have always just thought that alien was behind that and i know you'll no. try to take credit for it but yeah i, no, I, I take she was credit. well remember the songs it's not like we were talking about high quality it was like living on a prayer uh, uh you know it was eight. awesome they were awesome songs yeah Salt. yeah Perfect. Right. Uh, thank you. I have very. That's probably the only time in my life I've made a good. Let's get decision. started. Let's get started. All right. All right. So it's gone. So we are doing the 1989 film Field of Dreams. Uh, this film was actually selected for us by Aileen. Her birthday <coughs> is coming up this week, and yep, we said, and "Happy birthday!" Pick a film. Uh, and she picked Field of Dreams, which I think for a lot of people might be very surprising. Um, I wouldn't say Aileen is necessarily a huge sports fan that's not really um her thing uh you know she's mm-hmm. root for the red Sox and stuff like that but she is always as long as i know her love this film and i kind of asked her you know why'd you pick it what what should we say about it and she just said it's always since the first time she saw it a film that resonated with her which huh. i think is you know as we'll talk about true for a lot of people yeah. yeah, you know, and it's uh, it's a great movie, and uh, so we're excited to do it. Now we just have a super quick fact check from last week's episode. It wasn't even a week ago. Uh, Jim played uh, played through some pain for our shining episode. And he deserves a lot of credit um, for playing that. There was two things. One thing I forgot to mention actually, which is if you're interested, there's no way you can really talk about the shining in an hour. We tried to do it in an hour. You could talk about it. Yeah. A crazy amount. There is this really interesting thing I watched last week. It was a documentary that was actually nominated, got won a bunch of film festival nominations. Um, it's called Room 237, mm-hmm. and it's like six different people's conspiracy theories about why Stanley Kubrick made The Shining. Um, so if, if you're interested, check that out. Also, um, we didn't talk about the fact that it was one of the top grossing films. Uh, it was, you know, per dollar, one of Stanley Kubrick's best uh, returns. It made $44 million, which back in 1988 was a lot of money. So, uh, again, uh, check that out. And I thought probably the most interesting thing, um, non-Shining related, that came out of last week's episode was during our five-question segment when I asked Jim yeah. – uh, Sexier Swayze. Yeah. Um, it was same question I'd ask Katie during our Harry Potter episode. Yeah, and yeah. you seemed a, a bit upset. You wanted to expand upon the fact that you thought Patrick Swayze had episodes that he was more sexy in movies. Point so break. What, what? Point break. Okay, good. What else? Hit us with uh, some more. Let's see. What else do we have? Um, uh, how about ones? Roadhouse? Roadhouse. Yeah. Point break. Uh, uh, Roadhouse. Uh, Long uh, Fu. Young, young Blood. Young Blood. Uh, he was also in Red, Red Dawn. Dawn. I, I knew it was a very young Patrick Swayze yeah, in Red Dog. Yeah. Lots of de- lots of denim in that movie. Yeah, oh, yeah. lots of good. denim being and lots of it. killing in that movie. It was a yes. pretty brutal movie. And I believe per the 1980s, it was like Jennifer PG. Gray. Wasn't Jennifer yes. Gray in that one too? Oh, 
the 1980s movies were something else. Jennifer Grey was in it. Leah Thompson was in it. Charlie Sheen was in it. C. Thomas Howell was in it. Powers Booth was in it. And this is all off the top of my head, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but 1980s movie where everybody Harry died. Dean Stanton. Harry Dean Stanton was in it. Um, tons of people die. Mm-hmm. There's nudity galore, yeah, and yeah. you could watch it as at the age of five. It, yeah, it was great for for oh. kids. For kids, oh, that's, it was going to teach positive. you how to be a Wolverine. You know, yes, you're going to fight again. That's when against Cuba the, was the, apparently a dominant world power and was yeah, somehow going to the invade communists the were coming. The communists, oh, the '80s propaganda <clears throat> movies. They're nothing that's quite as good as it. But a definite not '80s propaganda movie is this week's movie. Uh, Kevin Costner in Field of Dreams. Um, rundown time. Quick summary, Jim. What you know at its core? What is Field of Dreams all about? Well, I mean, at its core, this movie is just all about regret, right? I think the if, if you're looking at the deep deep meaning of this, it's it's dealing with regrets as you get older. And how each uh, each character kind of deals with their with their regrets. But the basis baseline of the story is um, Kevin Costner and his wife are farmers in Iowa, and he starts hearing voices one day telling him, and basically says, "If you build it, they he will come." Um, and he gets a vision of a baseball field in his corn. And he decides that he is going to build a baseball field. He doesn't know what it means. He sort of starts f- f- sort of following these cosmic powers. It's kind of funny. We this sort of reminded me, having rewatched it, is uh, it's sort of like a sports version of uh, Close Encounters. There's a little bit of the yeah, a vibe. Yeah, there's yeah. definitely that vibe there. Rather than I- Aliens, it has like this fantastical, you know, uh, you know, ghost story sort of. Yeah, and so the development of this movie is actually really interesting. You and I talked this week. This is was this is the third movie in a row we've done that's yeah. based off a, a book, um, and not that that's you know that just kind of is how this broke um, for us right, in right, terms right. of that. Uh, this is based on uh, W. P. Kinsella, and the major character in this book is Ray Kinsella right. in the movie. Uh, no connection. He didn't. He claims he didn't name him after himself. He named him after a J. D. Salinger character. And actually, in the book, J.D. Salinger is Terrence Mann. Right, but J.D. Right. Salinger said, if you use my name, I'm suing the hell out of you. Yeah. So they said, we don't want to deal with this. Right, right. Um, but the book's title, and actually the shooting movie title, was Shoeless Joe. And it wasn't until close to them putting it out that they changed it. And they said, we're not calling it Shoeless Joe. It doesn't make any sense. Nobody will get it. Nobody will understand what it is in mm-hmm. reference to. Uh, and they changed it to Feel of Dreams. But... This movie took five years to get made, believe Ooh. it or not. Um, Philip Alden Robinson, who actually directs it, wrote the movie, and he was a screenwriter prior to this, had never directed anything, and mm-hmm. it was a passion project for him. Nominated for three Oscars, which I had no idea of. Yeah. You know, I've always liked this movie. I thought it's good and everything like that. It was actually nominated for Best Picture, Crazy. which was a little shocking to me. Even on – what's really shocking to me is even on – and I'll hold up the DVD cover um, – Usually that's like something that's prominently like stated. Right. It's right. nowhere on the cover. Yeah, it doesn't it weird. doesn't I mean it's a good movie, but it didn't ring as like a best picture for me. No, and I I I'd have to go back and look at that year and you know, sometimes best picture nominations are all about what's been out in a given year and that right, type right, of thing. Right. Uh, what's really interesting is that it was kind of universally loved as a book. And as a film, people mm-hmm. really like the book, which I've never read it. But even the author loves the movie. 
he said he gave it a four out of five. And I guess there's a ton of different plot points in the book. For example, Ray has a twin brother. Yeah. Um, there's all sorts of other plot points all cut out. And the director loved it. Uh, um, excuse me. The author loved it. Kinsella loved it, which is very different than last week's movie when we did The Shining. Mm-hmm. And I actually want to talk a little bit at some point here how I think these two films, The Shining and Field of Dreams, which we didn't do on purpose back to back because Aileen picked Field of Dreams. Right, There's right. some really interesting playoffs between yes. the two of them. They're yeah, pretty they much like the opposites of each other, oh, right, right? In every in every single way. So right. I think it's it, you know maybe it wouldn't have clicked in my mind if we hadn't just seen that. Um, but let's get underway. Um, what are some things that jumped out for you? in the film with your rewatch i think um mainly and to to talk about the book is um there are long passages in this in this movie where it is clear they're taking dialogue or um exposition directly from the book and and they're just reading it um and it's awesome it's very well written stuff and um it i think they do a really good job in this movie of like kind of blending and allowing that to happen without making it seem cheesy or uh, weird, because I think the whole movie is sort of set up as this um, fairy tale. It doesn't; it's not real, the real world, obviously. Um, so, like you know, when Terrence Mann or uh, you know, when someone someone's giving a long soliloquy about baseball and what it means to to people, or or you know, just all that different stuff. Uh, you know, I think Chula Show has a few. A few uh, moments. Um, it, it sounds like they're reading from a book, but that to me, uh, it wasn't really distracting or bad. I, I kind of enjoyed it. Yeah, I, that's a, he did do that. By the way, when, when Robinson was <clears throat> writing the screenplay, he just lifted whole passages. Right. And one of the other things he did, um, one of the big things like writing screenplays, which are very big and different than novel, is a lot of. Um, the kind of stage direction and stuff like that, which mm-hmm. I think is actually one of the harder parts of writing a screenplay if you've ever tried to write one. He just cut passages out of the book and paste those in. Right, Because right. Kinsella is such a descriptive writer. In fact, when he wrote the screenplay, all he did was rip all the pages out of Shulitz Joe, glue them onto a paper, and start highlighting the passages and ideas that he liked. And that's how he did his screenplay. And you're right. Mostly, a, a lot of times, long um, passes, especially the James Earl Jones one, I think, at the end where he goes, yeah. hey, Ray, you know, and he goes into the whole – most people, I think, would dread that. You know, right, that's right. – in Hollywood, they hate things like that. And mo- a lot of it's done on a one-shot where they're not even cutting the different angles or anything like that. And uh, it works. And I think you're spot on. It's because it feels like a – fairy tale yeah from the very beginning by the way when james horner who scored this film and he did uh, probably the most notable film he did is titanic but he's done tons of stuff unfortunately passed away a couple years ago his score has kind of a mythical sense to it yeah you know and but they mix that you know and 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 we didn't really talk about this what what eventually happens is that you know they build this they build this field in, in, in the corn and eventually shoeless joe a ghost shows up to play baseball there and he starts inviting other uh baseball players mainly the 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 uh, 1919 eight, eight, eight white men Sox. out yeah uh, white Sox who are banned from baseball so um you know th- th- when they're playing though there's like this old timey music that's that's basically like a 
a call back to you know a simpler time and there there's you know the basically baseball represents purity in this in this movie right like there's this there's this idea of like these characters have all have have some regret in their life the, the obviously the white Sox, it's very simple to see that they regret you know being banned from baseball and, and kind of ruining the game that they love uh, for themselves um, Ray regrets you know the the stuff he said to his father he comes right out and says it you know he he basically told his father he didn't he didn't uh, he thought Shoeless Joe was a criminal and he knew that Shoeless Joe was like his dad's hero so um, you know the, and Terrence Mann I, I, you know there's probably some regret there as, as far as oh the, I, yeah, yeah I definitely think there's some regret there <clears throat> and I think um, regret is one of the big talking points I had down here and just again, passages taken right from the book. You know, he's talking to his wife Annie, um, and he goes, "You know, when was the turning point in his father and his relationship?" Right. And this is like very weird. And they said part of the problem was selling this book to a movie, and why a ton of studios passed on it is they kind of the notes were people don't care about father son movies. People don't care about baseball movies. Right. People don't care about movies with ghosts. And this movie basically is those three things. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. About, it's about father and son. It's about baseball. And it's about ghosts. And it could have been utterly ridiculous if right. they didn't get it absolutely right. right. Like some of the lines in this movie, like a great quote that resonates – um, you know, Kevin Costner says, can you believe that an American boy refusing to play catch with this father? And he's, you know, he's talking yeah. to his wife, Annie, at the time about his relation. And it just it's kind of a corny line. But I think a lot of it comes down to finding sometimes the perfect actor for a role. Right. And if it hadn't been Kevin Costner, I'm not sure somebody else could have sold this role. And I think at times Kevin Costner's. Uh, um, in a modern context has become kind of an undervalued actor because he's definitely done some bad movies. I mean, there's yeah. definitely some bad movies, but when he's good in something, he's really good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's he, really like, good in this. Yeah. He's, there's just kind of an understated element about it where he's not like overly sentimental, but he's believable in this character, which right. I think is, would have been hard for a lot of people. So who would you, who would you love to see play this part other than Kevin Costner? I'm thinking like, Al Pacino. (laughs) (laughs) Give me a a bat. No, I don't. Joe Pesci. uh, I don't think that would have played into there. Do you know who one studio, uh, a studio note was, who they said, um, you know, if you're going to make this movie, this is who we want you to Robin Williams. (laughs) Could you imagine Robin Williams? What was the name of the football movie with him and Kurt Russell? Oh, my God. Um... By the way, I like that movie. Best of Times. Best of Times. That's a good movie. Yeah, yeah. Reno. Oh, yeah. He wore his white uh, cleats. Well, I, I'll say this. You know, I have a hard time with a lot of sports movies. That I, they, you know, growing up, it was very apparent to me which, you know, that, you know, I love baseball a lot. But, um, and I would pretty much give any baseball movie a chance, but there's some that are just bad, like, that I don't like. Like, uh... I'm not a huge rookie of the year fan. Like, there, there's. Oh yeah, you've said that before because we talked about the remake. Like, how about what was the one Little Big League where the yeah, guy was no. the kid became the manager? Angels that? in the outfield, it's, not oh, God, the original. Was, okay, was, but yeah, yeah, but the remake, the remake bad. Well, but I like, mean, 
No, go ahead. I think you're right. They don't hit, they don't hit very frequently. And, and this is this is not technically a baseball movie. when you really no, break it down, I don't think so. But it, it baseball is used to kind of hold this this idea together, and it is is a great way to kind of connect all these characters to something that they can they can kind of use to move past some some. Uh, you know some of these regretful things that they've done in their past, or, or, or didn't do. You know, and I think you know for for uh, Kevin Costner's character for Ray, it's he doesn't even realize until basically the very end what this whole path that he's been sent on is about. You know, and and <clears throat> so it's kind of been just kind of going by the seat of his pants and. And it isn't until he freaks out because Terrence Mann's going to get a chance to go with the ghost and see yeah. the quote-unquote afterlife, and he's like, "I've done everything you asked. What do I? What do I get out of this?" And you know, and then he realizes that he's going to get a chance to have a catch with his father. You know, um, so the, the the idea of of catch with your father isn't exactly baseball, right? Like it, it's part it's part of it. But it could be anything. It could be shooting hoops with your dad. It could be playing golf. Yes. It could be no, you're, no, it could be you're building right. something. It could be you know. It could be uh, cooking. It could be anything. Any any of these like quintessential like uh, connections with parents, right? Or or anyone really. Uh, like and, I and playing I, guitar with my grandfather. Well, you know, things and like that. I do, and I think they 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 use <laughs> some of the thematic ideas of baseball. Mm-hmm. Well, but it's you're right. It's not like we're gonna have the 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 slow motion shot of the pitcher winding up. Like think Major League, right? Which is hysterical, funny '80s, or even Bull Durham, yeah, where baseball really was a integral part of a lot of the sequences. The baseball sequences in this movie are, besides Costner having a catch with his right. dad, in many ways they're inconsequential. You well, know, there I mean, is they're... one that I really like, and we can talk about it. But um, which is Archie uh, Moonlight yes. Graham, um, who is a doctor that they feel they they realize um, got I forget the year, but he he was uh, he was called up to the majors, and he got to play right field for one inning, one inning, yep. one half inning. He never got to bat. Never got to bat. Um, and by the way, just as a quick, he was real. That's a real, real player. That's a real, real story. When Kinsella was writing, it was going to create a character, and he said, "I could never create a name better than Moonlight Graham." So he that so Moonlight Graham is real in terms of the he became a doctor. They actually researched him, went to that town, is the town he was from. So that's real. But go ahead. I just I just found that fascinating. Yeah, and so what happened is is he um, his regret was that he never got to. Uh, to have a major league at bat, and when he first tells Kevin Costner what he would love to happen if he could grant any wish, what would it be? He says he would love to get it, get an at bat, hit a ball, basically get a triple. Is how he how he <laughs> describes it, right? And I think this is subtle. They're not batting you over the head with the baseball here, but no. when he gets to the field of dreams, they pick him up, and he's a younger version of the doctor. Um, he. What really happens in that inning, for those that are paying attention, is that he doesn't get the triple. He ends up hitting a sacrifice fly and scoring a run, which is one of the more um, selfless ways to play baseball, right? It is It is not a triple. It is basically doing something yeah, for to, score, to score a run and help your team by sacrificing your own at-bat, right? And, of course, he's a doctor, too, right. which is like that whole thing that he sacrificed everything – 
you know, and became a doctor, which I thought right. was you're right. I thought that was brilliant. I mean, and that's for baseball lovers to right, pick up. Exactly. Like, you know, and they don't yeah. they don't come right out and say it. They 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 leave it for you to know if you know the game. If not, then you still you still realize that he did. You know, he got his at bat. Yeah. And then moments after that is when the daughter the daughter chokes on the hot dog. He has to step yeah. off the field. He becomes the doctor, saves the daughter. He can't ever go back. So he gets his one at bat, and his. Uh, you know, that that was his regret kind of coming full circle. And you know what I found about the regret angle, which is interesting, is obviously when we were younger, this movie came out when we were like 10, 11 years old. So uh, you watch films at different points in your life, I think, with different meanings. And I had not seen this. I can't I can't tell you the last time I had actually sat down and watched Field of Dreams. But it came to me as I was watching it this time. Mm-hmm. That this would be the first time uh, Ray in this movie is thirty-seven. Mm-hmm. This is the first time you felt old, not right? Only, not only that I'm older than him, but I think I last time I probably watched this was in my twenties. It's the first time I think I was even close to his age, right? And could relate to I think some of the things that this movie was really about. And again, I love the movie forever because i thought the themes of it were cool and stuff but it just resonates more i think when kevin costner starts talking about things like you know about his daddy goes i never forgave him for getting old you know and all these ideas of you know what he could have done right and didn't do and what his dad should have done and and didn't do but at the same time they do a great job with the regret angle of also showing it. And Moonlight Graham's the best example of this is that that regret's not worth that much when you start looking at maybe what the situations you regret give you in your life. Right. Like he didn't get to be a major leaguer. He didn't get to have his a bat. But then they again, they don't beat you over the head of it, but they take you to where Moonlight Graham was from. And everybody in that town loved him. Right, and there's stories. It is about his relationship with his wife, and all these things that and the article he in the paper did. said a legend, a legend, and all these things that people did, and it. I think it kind of highlights this idea that sometimes you feel like you're losing your way, or you regret something you didn't do, and when you even look at Ray, he has a beautiful house. He has mm-hmm. an amazing. You want to talk about one of the big difference between The Shining and Oh yeah. I was going to go uh, here and, too. And this movie is the family dynamic. The wife is, the, she yeah, is, she's amazing. She's an she's, amazing character in this. Um, her fight with the student, the, oh the parent, God, the parent school board meeting, whatever that was, um, clearly based on Salinger here, where the school wants to ban the book, um, and you know it's clearly Catcher in the Rye. Um, it sounds pretty much exactly like exactly it. like it, and uh, you know she she basically makes the case for um, it makes the case that that these people uh, are basically Nazis, <laughs> yeah, and that yeah, they shouldn't yeah, be, yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. But I, I just I, the idea of regret, I think, is really interesting, and I also think one of the interesting things about this film and why Costner took it because Costner had just filmed Bull Durham. So his agent, everybody said, yeah, don't do this movie. You just did a baseball movie. Who the hell wants to do two baseball movies in a row? By the way, Kevin Costner at this point was like the biggest, one of the biggest actors in Hollywood. You know, he was a rising star. And he goes, no, this is like a wonderful life. This is like a Frank. And he goes, this could be the 1980s. And I think in some sense, it kind of is. 
I think Kevin Costner was really spot on about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it, it is a great movie. Um, the, uh, the other thing, and I, I know we both kind of hinted to each other that we wanted to talk about this, is James Earl Jones. Oh, the first awesome. thing I said to Katie went like about 20 minutes into him being on screen was, why isn't he in so many more movies? Because honestly, I think, he, I think he was in more than we would think. Yeah. I, I, and maybe just not ones we watch. He also did a lot of stage. Yeah, that's stuff, true. But he did a lot of a voice. I know. Yeah. He loved being. And in fact, that's actually how he got this role. Taren, once they realized J.D. Salinger was not permissible. Like yeah, they, yeah. Um, the director who also wrote the screenplay went and saw Fences. Okay. which has since had a revival with Denzel Washington and was turned into a film. And but James Earl Jones was playing that character. Okay. And he goes, he said it was the best performance he had ever seen anybody do. Yeah. And he immediately ran home and wrote Terrence Mann and said, I got to have James Earl Jones. Yeah. And, 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 so and many James good Earl parts. Jones wanted it. He wanted to be in it immediately. Mainly, he, James Earl Jones and his wife one of them just for that monologue we were talking about earlier. Baseball, Ray. But yeah. but they were convinced it was going to be cut. Really? Yeah, because they're like, films don't allow monologues this long. Yeah. I mean, there's very few. I mean, Alec Baldwin in Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, this one. It's yeah, just yeah, something yeah. you usually don't allow an but actor that's to also, do. But that's also theater, right? Yeah. So, like, Glenn Gary, so Glenn he, Ross yeah. is, is a play. But they were convinced that it would be cut. But you, man, he is so damn good in this movie. Yeah, it's almost like the only time film really allows that is like uh, the general talking before war, like yeah. Lord of the Rings. You get a few of those. Um, yeah. Otherwise, so, it feels misplaced. Right. Or a coach, misplaced. like a, like a halftime yeah. speech, or or, or you know, something like that. So I I I love that they kept those in there. And there's some. There's even some with uh, Ray Liotta, right? Like even they're not as long, but he no, talks but about like right. you know, have you, do you have you held a glove to your face and smelled it like that? Yeah, and like if you were ever a baseball player, even if you only played little league, you know like what a glove smelled like. You know that that immediately takes you back. Yeah, immediately he, takes you back. And, the, and, and those, I think that's the reason that this this movie like resonates with so many people. It's it's connecting, um, especially in the '80s. Like I think now, if this movie came out now, it might not. I don't, I don't think that baseball is as big as when we were little. No, um, I don't think it is at all. But I think, uh, you know, I think the, <laughs> I think that's why you know at that time, um, even if you never played baseball, it was still something that that was on the forefront of of you know culture. Yeah, I'm, no, I agree with you. And I think he's just fantastic in it, and um, his line delivery, everything is is perfect in it. Uh, one of the other big things I found interesting in this, and we already talked how Costner's wife was – the character was fantastic. Mm -hmm. By the way, and, and I, we both liked Shelley Duvall in The Shining – because they are completely different relationships. Right. You know, we're talking about, and this is one of the things I liked, you know, in back-to-back -back comparisons. This movie is really about selfless love, faith, mm -hmm. you know, all that type of stuff. And it's a great example of, on back-to-back -back weeks, how film can capture such different emotions and still 
invoke like enjoyment of viewing yep. like the shining which is so much about narcissism and evil and just you know s- you know selfishness right and the next week you know you turn the page and you're watching something here where i mean the idea that a you're ray kinsella and you're gonna build this field because you hear a voice to have the faith to do that but i think one of the misplayed ideas is for his wife to have that type of love for him that she's okay with him doing that and then okay with him going to see terrence yeah is crazy and it's like the you know this this idea that we see two relationships in film you know both are married people who are suffering with husbands who could be delusional but one's an example of healthy like love and a healthy relationship yeah. because she has faith in him and the other's an example of obviously a, an abused woman just clinging to a lunatic right. is pretty is pretty cool it's I a lot like like our relationships brian and yes. our wives letting us do this podcast yeah. Yes. Well, which is the abusive similar. relationship? No, I think they're both on more of the uh, feel the loving re- side. Okay. Yeah, yeah, oh, perfect. Yeah. Um, but one of the things uh, that people always talk about, and I thought was an interesting side point, is kind of what is the field? Like, what is your interpretation of what that field was supposed to be? Because they always use the throw the line that was used in the trailer and everything. Is this heaven? And he no, goes, it's No, Iowa. it's Iowa. But you know. So good they do it twice in the in the movie. Yes, they do. They do do it twice. You know, what do you think or what is your feeling? Because Kinsella, when he wrote the book, said everybody analyzes my book and tells me I have all these themes embedded in it. I was just trying to tell a story. But, you know, why do you think the idea of that field has resonated with people? Um, I I think it's like the possibility of like writing a wrong right like that, that's the ultimate um kind of uh theme there it's, it, it represents a chance to to do to to fix some things that happened right for archie it's the it's the one hit for for uh terrence man it's to get back into writing for real it's for ray it's to see his father for the eight men out it's so that they can play baseball again and you know there there's there's a whole bunch of uh i think that's really what it represents is is that it's it's a chance and it kind of ties in the end that like you know everyone coming to the field like when i was younger i used to think it was you know with all those people coming at the end like like uh terrence man says like they'll come they'll drive up your driveway they won't know why they're coming but they'll give you money to see the, and to watch the game I always thought, yeah, well, hell yeah, you're going to pay money to come see, you know, baseball ghosts play, right? Like, yeah. But in retrospect, like, thinking about it more, it's also like that, That to me, it's like, what does that represent, right? It also represents the chance for them to to experience something that is, you know, uh, kind of fulfilling that regret, right, or, or, or canceling it out. Yeah, and I always wondered too. The, our interpretation of that was supposed to be that if you went to that field, you would be able to see right someone. Not even the game. Which, by the way, let's just add, <laughs> going to see a bunch like she was Joe Jackson and play stuff would probably be enough to get people to go. But <laughs> this idea: Are you going to go there? And as you go there, you get to see someone, or it gets to have that kind of experience. And by the way, in real life, people go. Uh, they are averaging about. I think it was. I got to check my notes. Like something like sixty-five thousand people a year go to that field. Still. Wow. 
65 and uh when they decided um when they decided to sell the farm they sold it for four and a half million dollars or something like that because of field of dreams um which is which is wild but i think people are drawn to this idea that this field yep. is, it's it's not heaven it's a pathway would, or, but or wouldn't want wouldn't somebody want something like that you know i almost equate it to we both talked about how we love lost and we actually you know lost especially the last season is a very divisive yeah. thing but one of the things that i always loved about lost in the last season is there's almost that field of dreams s quality where they built that pocket whatever it was yep. uh whether it be i don't you know limbo whatever you want to call it where everybody was able to see those people who meant something to them and connect again to because a lot of those relationships were fractured and they never got to say what they meant to each other right and you know this is creating this idea almost and it doesn't say heaven which i like and it ties into a lot of religious you know, ideas for a lot of different faiths, probably, right. that you can have something like this again, which is unsurprisingly why if you if you just research generally this film, you find tons of, um, you know, religious sites talking about it. You know, is this the best Christian film or is this the best when I don't think that was the intention of it? I think no. it's just people being able to apply this idea of, um, you know, what could you do? If you had a moment to spend with somebody who maybe you didn't get to say what you they meant to you too, right? 100%. And, and maybe that's the one thing holding you back. Because if you look at Ray, there's probably not a lot holding him back. He's a pretty happy guy, right? But there's that one thing that's I think maybe blocking him from realizing how amazing his life is, and this idea that 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 could be unlocked in some way i think is maybe something that resonates with people with this movie they have this desire if if i could just fix this one thing you know yeah maybe everything else would click for me yeah it's it's i i i mean there is part of it that the field it does represent this like uh you know paranormal event right It, it is in heaven but it's it's right up against it right it's it's um yeah it's like it's like it's like where these two worlds can overlap and you can both sides can get something of value from from either either side and i like how they didn't they didn't shoot them as ghosts and they right. even did that even had that line the little girl's like are, are you ghost and he goes what do you think what, I am? what do you yeah. think uh, but they didn't even try to play it that way. It just, you know, I don't, I, again, this movie, if done even slightly improperly, would have been like a laughing stock. Yeah, yeah, it would have been one of the, it would have been like one of the worst movies made because people would have been like, what, what in God's name is going on here? Why no. is this guy doing this? This is, makes no sense. They had to get everything, yeah, everything right. Uh, and I thought they did a. They thought they did a pretty good job. Leota was very good. Oh, and this great. Is, this is pre Goodfellas, Ray Leota. Um, so you know he had only done a mm-hmm. few. He had only done a few films, um, but he was spot on in this. And th- this is Ray Liotta at his best in terms of 
when he was younger, able to convey a lot of emotion without even saying anything. Right. Um, you know, even and, even the and another base inside baseball quote unquote joke, which is the one about Ty Cobb, where he says, "Oh, that's fantastic." Where he says, "Well, we all thought he was a, a, what's he say? A, Son of a bitch." A, a so we didn't let him yeah. go. Ahead. Which and is, then he does the Goodfellas laugh, yeah. like the laugh that will become famous <laughs> yeah, yeah. during uh, Good for Goodfellas. And if uh, if you know anything about baseball, it's well known that Ty Cobb was uh, just an awful human being. Apparently, oh, horrific, yeah. racist. Did, didn't they say he oh. killed someone one time? Oh, he killed somebody. He was a yeah, racist. Yeah. I mean, he was just an absolutely horrible, horrible so, person. A good, um, good shot there. Um, and there's a lot. The, the, I, I still I, the one part I forgot. The baseball scene I really love as well, which is Archie's hit. I already talked about. But leading up to that, there's a great, great interaction where he talks about winking at the pitcher yeah. as if you know something the pitcher doesn't know, and he does that. And I'm assuming is that supposed to be Whitey Ford? Is that? Uh, no, I that was. Um... That I don't think so. No, I think that was, was later, right? That's no, not, no. That was I think that was I can't remember from Eight Men Out. The guy who was their best pitcher. Yeah, the yeah. guy who he was the guy who would have won like thirty games and got a huge bonus, but they wouldn't let him pitch or whatever. Right, I mean, right. he was I can't lefty. I think it was lefty something. Lefty, whatever. Right, right. Yeah. And so he he gets winked at as he's in his windup, and he decides he's going to throw the ball right at Archie's head. And there's a great scene where Ray Liotta, like this is to, to talk. My one of my favorite parts is he calls the kid over and he says, "Hey, Rook, you know, like you, uh, what, what's going on?" He's like, "He had two high and inside. What do you think he's going to do here?" He's like, "Well, should probably look low and away." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah." He's like, or it's going to be in my ear. And he says, yeah. He said, so he's going to he's he's going to want to throw something. He's going to want to throw you a strike. So look low and away, but watch out for in your ear. <laughs> Just a great, great baseball Just moment. Yeah. My favorite baseball, and it wasn't in the game. It, it was um, when Costner was throwing BP when she was oh, yeah, Joe. Yeah. Showed, he goes, uh, yeah, let me uh, see if you can hit my curveball. Yeah, that was the only part that I was like, "What?" Like he, but he he, was, but I, I like that because that was kind of like, here's a kind of a hokey guy, like, "Oh yeah, hey, I'm pitching the shoeless Joe. Let me see if if, I can." If he was a baseball fan as much as he seems to be, there's no way in hell he would have said that to. Yeah, but I think he was feeling. I think there was an awkwardness. Like that whole scene was shot brilliantly. Yeah, where you're kind of like. Who feels more weirded out by this? Is it Costner or is it Leota? Because yeah. neither of them seem to know, which I like too. It was like the the players who were coming to the field, they didn't have some kind of mythic No, they, they didn't know what was going on They didn't know what was going on either. And, but the, the part I actually found out just today was that in that scene when he throws that curveball and he hits it right back at them, completely by luck. Oh, really? They were just—they just had the camera behind there, and to Costner's credit, the director was like, he stayed in character. Yeah, like he falls down, gets—he goes, "That's Costner." Like he—he he didn't. Well, let, he's he clearly a baseball in, player. Like, oh yeah, he, I mean, stayed, how many? He stayed in character and was like Ray having the ball hit back at him, and that, I just—I I remember that scene forever. Like, oh, here's this doofus thinks he can throw a a uh, curveball to Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta, by the way, had never played baseball before before this. He spent three months with the uh, USC baseball coach taking BP. And he tried to see, I was actually practicing (coughs) switch hitting because Shoeless Joe hit lefty. Um, 
but they just he he tried for three months and couldn't get it. But yeah. He has pretty good swing for a guy who never played baseball. Yeah, before. yeah, yeah. That was not, the not right, bad from at the all. right from the right side. Uh, I guess, and one of the other kind of elements, this idea of faith paying off in in, in two interesting ways. You know, um, one I thought was. James Earl Jones was great. Having faith, he bought into this idea. He goes and he mm-hmm. he's rewarded with getting to write his book. He's going to go into the corn. He's going to be redeemed. Redemption, I think, was an interesting thing in terms of this. I think Joe Jackson's redeemed. Terrence yeah. Mann is redeemed. Um, you know, I don't know if Ray needs to be redeemed. Maybe in his own eyes, he needs to be redeemed with his father for what yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, but like when Moonlight Graham and they had those little white pebbles surrounding the field. And yeah. if you cross those white pebbles, you'll be finished as and he as as Ray and Karen's daughter is choking on a hot dog, which is why you should eat pigs in a blanket. Instead, they're a lot harder to choke on. Um, she falls down and Moonlight Graham walks across and it, it like reinforces again this idea, I think, of um, understanding the idea of selflessness and even ray's dad we learn ray's dad turns old because we don't know how his mom either ray's mom either died or left she died when he was three he's oh yeah yeah, it's in one of the voiceover moments and he had to give up everything to raise his son right and i think one of the things is and even hit on this idea is ray ran off to colleges and you don't understand that stuff when you're 18 years old no and he's starting to come to a realization of what that selflessness is. Mm-hmm. And I think he's echoing that in some sense with his faith of be- building this field. Um, and one of the great changes, I guess, from the book to the film, at least from what I've heard, is that he almost specifically builds the film, uh, the field in the book so his dad will come. Mm-hmm. I love that he doesn't have any idea right. that his dad's going to come. And this is just a selfless, this is a leap of faith, a selfless act. And that's what's so weird when Terrence Mann gets to go and he goes, I did all this stuff. What do I get for this? And then Ray Liotta says, is that why you did this, Ray? Yeah. For, for what you would get? And he's kind of like, no, actually. And you be- it's believable. You're like, this is just somebody for who was looking for something in their life and took a leap of faith. Right. And, and there is this amazing payoff with what I think when we get to the end and we've mentioned his dad playing catch, one of the, I, I don't know that it's, it's hokey. I get it, you know, but there's just something about this idea of how they play this scene. That is an unbelievable sequence in Hollywood history. I yeah. think. Yeah. It's really good. Um, and and so to close it out, just talking about the movie, I think that last scene is amazing. One of the things I just want to bring, and I don't want to make too much light of it, poor Karen, every time she has a great idea or wants to tell someone that they need to notice, it's adults, like, screaming at her. Oh, yeah. Like, no, she has to tell point. everyone, like, four times. It reminded me of Carl from, like, the first couple seasons of yeah. The Walking Dead. <laughs> Get in the house, Carl! Like, it was like... Karen, quiet. Be quiet, even though you know exactly what's going on. We can't hear from you. But, you know, the idea, uh, it's it's an emotional movie. I got choked up about it, and I think a lot of people do. Um, And it's something that you don't, I don't think from a male perspective, I think there's a lot of, you could argue there's a lot of female films that tackle issues like this. But there's very few male-centric films. Just that, this and Armageddon. 
Oh, well, Armageddon is kind of hairy. <laughs> hairy stamper. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think this film did it a little bit better than Michael Bay. I don't know. Armageddon's pretty good. It's pretty... uh, Listen, I I love Armageddon. But um, (laughs) uh, just a truly great film. You know, I really enjoyed it. And again, I think coming off of a film like The Shining last week, you know, which was really about the horrific qualities of human nature mm-hmm. uh it was nice i think unfortunately currently in society we all feel feel like we're living in the shining <laughs> and uh i think we actually have the potential if we want to to live in field of dreams oh that's yeah, cute you know. brian I, that makes so, me feel good I, I go you should you should live in a field of dreams i did always want to play on a field that had corn as like the outfield wall i do i'd love to go there yeah i yeah. think that would be just an, an awesome I, I don't think i would like awesome to be in iowa i but i'd, I'd love to see no the field. i think the problem is what why why are you going there to iowa right, we are, plus plus we already maybe that could be the com majors uh trip two we're never com majors trip one and we're still waiting for checks We've yet to receive any. Yeah, no one has joined our trip to Caddyshack. Uh, remember, for Louisville. only five thousand dollars, we're going you to Louisville. Can, you can come to Louisville and go to Caddyshack. Fest. Keep in mind, you have to cover your own airfare and hotel and yes. food and drink. Five thousand dollars gets you our time. Yes, uh, I will buy them a drink. One. Okay. <laughs> You'll get. You will get one drink ticket. Yeah. You'll get a drink ticket. Uh, but great movie fantastic all right time to go spanning the globe here a lot of stuff happened uh in entertainment week this week but i wanted to do just one baseball centric question um and this is this is a legitimate concern that i've kind of voiced in a couple of different areas do you think baseball is going to survive the changing viewing habits that we're starting to see now i think it will become yes i do think it will survive um, I think there there are still places in this country where baseball is insanely popular. Do you, can I ask um, you this quickly? Yeah. Do you think it's going to become on par with like hockey? No, the equivalent no, of what I don't hockey think. Is? No, I don't think it'll get that bad. Um, I think I think it will. Uh, that it's you know it's probably going to be going downhill for a while in barring some some pretty big changes i also think it has a very good chance to become a more global game um which would be really cool um obviously i don't think like the world whatever they call it the the world classic the world classic it's never going to be the world cup it's never going to be the 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 pull of of soccer uh worldwide but i think uh, as far as worldwide games i think it's right up there with with basketball as far as like you know soccer will always be number one as far as like a world uh, a worldwide game but i think you know i think baseball especially in in asia and and south america is, is gigantic um, uh, what what do you what do you think the biggest problem is right now from a viewership perspective cuz the like for example this past world series which yeah. had two big tv markets and and the viewer ratings were were down. Yeah, I, I think for me it's just I it was hard, it's hard to find time to watch the games. They're on too late. Um, the, the game time was I got to say this the game times were an embarrassment. You're yeah. a sport that's leaking and hemorrhaging viewers, and in Boston where I live, there is not one chance in the world that my kids were staying up 
yeah. to watch any of these games so, that are starting at 8 o'clock at night. I, and by the way, two of the games are on the weekends. You're telling me you can't have a 4 o'clock start of a World Series game, yeah. which would mean a 1 o'clock start on the West Coast? Just one? I'm, yeah. I understand advertising and stuff like No kids, unless you want to, as a parent, say to your kid, like a 7 or 8-year-old kid, you're staying up till midnight. Yeah, And as anybody who has kids know, good luck for the next week. If yeah. you do that, it, it's ridiculous. Um, Jerry's saying in chat that MLS is greater than MLB, which is an absolutely ridiculous statement. Um, <laughs> they, I do uh, agree. MLS is amazing. I, d- I amazing. do agree that um, NHL is greater than the MLS, but uh, you know, I don't think the, uh, you know, I, I think there are just as rabid baseball fans as there are hockey fans, and and I think there's a smaller number of hockey fans, Jerry, unfortunately. And one of of the other things I think is a big issue is who in God's name, the average Major League Baseball game this year was about three hours something. Nobody. I mean, we have issues, and we've talked about this. It's difficult for us to watch a movie a week in our schedule, and that's like two hours, let alone three hours a night for five or six nights a week. I would love to see them cut the season down by about twenty percent number. Well, of why games. not? Yeah, why not go back to what was it one sixty two when merit like when baseball was amazing? Yeah. And one of the other issues I have, and I know you don't like this because we've talked about it. I play seven innings. I play seven inning I, games. See, here's the other thing though. I don't think the there's a lot of blame going on players for these games being longer, like guys getting in and out of the box and pitchers taking their time. I. I don't th- think that's as big a problem as people think it is. I, think, I, I just, I think uh, yeah, it's all I, the commercials. I think it's all well, the it's part additional of it. stuff. Part. But I, I think that a seven inning game. Well, let me give you just a quick example, then we'll move on to the next topic. Mm-hmm. The Mets were awful this year. The only thing we had was Jacob Degrom, who was an amazing pitcher, best pitcher in baseball this year. In the modern baseball era. The best you're going to get from your starter, usually even a great starter, is six to seven innings. Yeah. So there, we're playing what nine inning games, six. You know, you're talking about close to sixty something innings of baseball a week, and the and the marquee player is mm-hmm. playing six of those sixty. And I, whereas if you watch the NHL, they're on every two minutes. If you're watching the NBA, it's the majority of the game. If you're watching the NFL. <laughs> It's, you know, at least half the game if you like offense or defense. And if you're watching soccer, it's not of the 90 minutes. It's the 90 minutes they're on the field. And I love baseball, but I think they they, having teaching kids who are much younger than us every day. They're not as interested. They're just and and I hope they change something there. All right. Second topic here. Uh, We talked about this. They had Rick Grimes final episode of The Walking Dead, and I almost watched it. I haven't watched it in Mm. seasons because it turned into the same show every week. Right. right, You know, it was a change. Turns out didn't matter. Guess what? Spoiler alert. Rick Grimes didn't die. And oh, guess what? Now they're making movies because now AMC is making films, and Rick Grimes is going to be in a movie trilogy. By the way, also, did you hear the Breaking Bad news, which makes me want to vomit? Yeah. Because let me tell you something. We've talked about this before. I think Breaking Bad may be the best binge-worthy show ever. (laughs) I mean, and Netflix, by the way, even admits that. If you talk when when Netflix gives interviews, what made Netflix into the binge worthy site to go? The first show that hit was Breaking Bad. Yeah. Now, and apparently this just leaked this morning. 
the the movie is going to be about Jesse. Yeah, I'm not interested. Escaping. I'm not. I, in fact, it, it it hurts me that this is happening. And we I think just I know talked why. about this. Yeah, you know why though? Guess what else was just released today? What's that? The quarterly returns from AMC. Oh, great! AMC lost a hundred million dollars this quarter. Ooh. How do you make up for a hundred million dollar loss? You start pumping out things that people want. Because I, Aileen and I, who loved The Walking Dead for about the first five seasons, I have to admit, I was kind of like, I might watch a Rick Grimes movie. I might. Because he's, but I might. I am not watching a Breaking Bad movie. I'm sorry. That, That really aggravates me. Mainly because I thought they got it right. Yeah. And so few shows go out strong i thought they got that right and it and it, it kind of drives me a little bit insane that they're doing this so I hope, maybe i hope great. we're wrong i hope we're wrong and it's yeah, great listen it could be I good hope they i have just a really good story I, to tell my my I, my problem with that is like even with the rick grimes thing like three movies like uh what what you haven't told a character arc worth three worth one movie no. in but 10 years the only, and- the only the only thing i'll say is maybe if it's a three movie arc there'll be some urgency to do something whereas i think <clears throat> I they're so. just trying to, where they're just trying to keep walking dead as we've discussed on the effort but my issue is with this judith is apparently still alive and i don't watch the show but they did a six-year time jump so she's like actually a character in the show i guess now again mm-hmm. i haven't watched it in years so i don't know but I, I found that interesting and the other break this is something uh, that came up this morning uh, there was a conference call um that disney held and we've been alluding to this through our discussion of avengers shows and this type of stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. the disney streaming uh, channel is going to be called disney plus which what what a dumb freaking name can, can we discuss how many focus some consulting firm just made more money coming up with Disney Plus than you or I will make in the next decade? Mm. They hey, sat man. around the room and like, what are we going to call it? Disney Plus. Yeah. Um, but it's going to have all these shows. But again, in the world of this ties directly into what you were talking about last week with the Game of Thrones prequels. Mm hmm. There is going to be another prequel series, this time a Star Wars prequel series, where they're going to take one of the characters. Remember uh, Diego Luna, the character from Rogue One, the the male lead in Rogue One? Yeah. And they're going to do a show on him. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, again, with the prequels, yeah. I, I don't understand. Here's the thing about Star Wars. You can go anywhere. They have all these worlds, all these things. And again, we're doing a prequel. I, I don't I don't get it. But Disney yeah. Plus, by the way, I've already said this. I will clearly be um, a customer of D- Disney Plus. Yeah. It's going to have all the Disney movies, all the Star Wars movies, all the Marvel. I mean, it's going to have it's just going to be one of those ones that you have to get into to rotation. But um, before we uh, move on, quick yes. uh, message from Jerry. He says Major League Baseball is too obsessed with stats to change anything. What do you what do you think about that? I agree. And actually, I the the thing I would argue about that is is it is turned into stats that nobody understands anymore. Uh, when we I, don't, were, I don't think that's when, what he means. I think he means like home I, runs. And RBIs yeah, I think and he, he means they're not going to change the season because the, all those records. Uh, I, I guess. But some, you know what? The, 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 the thing about baseball to me has always been that 
you used to have 162 and then you went to 182. So as soon yeah. as you change that type of stuff, the only reason I say seven inning games is you cut the game by 45 minutes. The best pitchers, you have more complete games and stuff like this. And if you study the history of baseball, it's the bats used to be different. The balls used to. I mean, there's so many different yeah. elements of the game. And it would for a long time. I think baseball hung their hats on the stats and it meant something. And it was how you could compare people. Uh, the reality is, I think since the steroid era, people have changed so much physically. And also this idea that people used to have to work jobs and be baseball players. And that's just not the case anymore. But yeah. it's true. I, and the other thing is this hardcore baseball people will riot. They're like lunatics. You know, they they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't stand for it. They want they don't want even like the mound raised by a quarter of an inch or like, you know, they don't like deviations from things. Yeah. So I don't think we'll change. I think it's going to be I think you're right. I think it's going to be it's going to turn more and more into a niche sport. Um, and, and we'll see where it goes. I actually say think the problem is that it's become a rich person sport in this country. Hmm. And and but that's a whole other topic. All right, let's go into five questions. Um, one of my favorite segments of the show, where Jim, uh, we learn that Jim likes Jewel, but won't tell us he likes Jewel. Mm -hmm. That he thinks there's lots of movies where Patrick Swayze is sexy, and we didn't pick the right movies for him. Sure. Uh, all right, five questions. Here we go. A lot of this is baseball themed because we're doing Field of Dreams. Okay. All right, thumbs up or thumbs down on Cracker Jacks? Ooh, thumbs up, except for those peanuts. Get those out of there, Jesus. Yeah, that's a that used to be like one of the biggest snacks in the world. Oh, people at, like at, love at those. Uh, you know, going going to games and getting those uh, would always get would always get crap. And there would jacks. always be a toy in there, right? Yeah, there was always like a like a tattoo or some something you could open up. You know. Okay, perfect. Yeah. All right, thumbs up on Cracker Jack. Yeah. All right, uh, question number two: Better with pigs and blanket. Are you a yellow mustard guy or a spicy brown oh, mustard? Spicy brown, dude. Yeah. Oh, so good. I yeah. finished all my picks and blankets. Spicy brown mustard. No way. Yellow mustard is like in a box. How about uh, with soft pretzels? Oh, always spicy brown. Bonus, always spicy but brown. But I, I get something that's slightly different when I used to work at the uh, soft pretzel place, which it's like, it's not, it's more of like a, they called it like stone tangy. ground or something. It's now it's hard oh, yeah, to describe. No, you can buy that actually. Um, uh, Goulden's makes it now, and it's awesome. Yeah. It's uh, Stone Ground. It's really, this was really Keller's. good. Keller's. I'm really one of the things I'm really excited about next weekend when I come to Philly. Soft pretzels. Yeah, there's a um, there's a soft pretzel factory not too far from our house. Yeah, I'm gonna buy just a, a trunk load of them to bring right, back with all me. Right. All right, uh, fill in the blank question. Uh, viewers won't know this because we've never talked about this before. Uh, but in your baseball career. Uh, you were a catcher. Mm -hmm. um, who is the worst pitcher you ever caught? Oh, Jesus, man. Who do you think the worst? Does anyone just jump out and like, oh, my God, this this I got to catch this guy today? No, not. I, I never really thought about it like that. It was most of the time. Yeah, you know, I'm sure I caught people that couldn't throw a strike, but that was never. It was more like difficult to catch some some guys. Like I had some pitchers that threw pretty hard that had a hard time uh, keeping the ball out of the dirt. Like throwing a fastball that bounces like right in front of you, in right front in front of, of the you plate. is is not fun. Yeah, who's um, the best guy you ever caught? Oh man, uh, 
I don't know, dude. That's a, that's a really tough question. There were a lot of different a lot of different players that were good at different things. You know, I I caught a guy in high school who threw around ninety. He was wow. pretty good. Um, Dave was re- Dave Falcone was pretty good. Yeah, how was Dave? Was Dave a good pitcher? He was like the Jamie Moyer of uh, of the <laughs> pra- crafty right hander. Not a lefty. You don't hear the term "crafty" right here. Yeah, I know, I know. It's it's, it's, it's it's he was crafty. He, he was, was crafty. by uh, design. He All threw right, a changeup. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. There we go. All right. Question four: What is the best ba- baseball stadium you ever visited? Ooh. Uh, probably Fenway. I mean, Fenway is just like it's it's hard to beat, right? I mean, uh, it's basically like the Coliseum of baseball, right? Yeah, Fenway's pretty friendly. I was lucky enough to go. The one you see in Field of Dreams, so when Ray kidnaps yeah, yeah, Terrence yeah. Mann, makes him go to the game, that's old school Fenway. I was, I was there actually, during that time. Yeah, I was actually lucky enough. The first time I ever came up um, to Boston when Ailey and I were dating, we went to Fenway, and that was before they'd done all the renovations yeah. now, which they had to do. Otherwise, Fenway would be gone, to yeah. be fair to the Red Sox. Um, but it was before the Mon- Green Monster seats were put on, yeah, and there was yeah. another level put on and stuff it was pretty it was a pretty cool venue i've been to wrigley though too oh that's cool and, and, and wrigley I've never and been then I, I i i was to wrigley actually uh before they did the renovations to wrigley hmm. um which is cool i'll tell you what one of my least favorite stadiums to go to was yeah the vet and i'll say shea was right next to it oh my god well shea actually was probably worse than the vet uh, the vet we used to go to the, the vet. vet was bad, man. We used it to was go to like, those uh, right after college. Like we used piss. to go to the vet for uh, those Phillies. Would always because they were bad. We yeah. go to those dollar dog nights. Yeah, it which was they would terrible. have all the time. What was the thing they did? Do you remember the disaster mm. they did with like the college beer night? Do you remember when yeah, we went that to that? Was, um, what was that? That was. Well, insane. I don't think we were there for that, but it was. Um, but they did, we did go to one of them not because the bad one. because my high school was in a fight in the stands. We didn't that go to man. that one, but they had done it before, right? right Wasn't right. it like two dollar beer night, or it was like for it if you showed been. a you showed a college ID? Oh, uh, that place! I was, honestly, I hated the vet. It was it was it was brutal. It was and, but I do remember going to that right around that same time, maybe a few years later, going to Shea. The, what, it might have been. Was oh, it we the went last uh, year. Yeah, but no, we did go the very last year, and that yeah. was because thank I didn't think I was going to go, but your mom and dad got me tickets for my wedding oh, as right, a wedding right, right. gift and we went that was the last season of Shea we went yeah. and saw oh yeah Shea was not a good stadium and I remember thinking this is worse than the vet yeah well the mm-hmm. thing about the uh, the vet was it wasn't a baseball only stadium so there was some room to move around right. Shea was like narrow and it was just, gross it just, and in the concourse it felt very dangerous and dark like it felt like you were in an alley whereas like the vet I feel like it was wide open when you got out in the concourse well, I think one of the other problems when we went to Shea is they didn't give a shit anymore. Yeah, that's because true. it literally was it was closing and like what we went in September, so I think there was like three weeks left. You could tell they hadn't put a dime right, into right. any kind of upkeep. So, in a- as far as the new stadiums, I haven't I haven't gone to many, but I will say um, one of my favorites is Pittsburgh. Awesome stadium. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable stadium. Really cool. That that is I actually I think uh first of all, City Field is really good. Mm-hmm. And I haven't um, been there yet. No, I mean because it's 
based off Citizens Bank, which yeah. is amazing. Like the viewing angles and stuff. But I love that Pirate Stadium. Yeah, it's so cool. I, I, I went there. Mm-hmm. If anybody ever, if you're a baseball fan and you're not a Pirates fan, but your team's playing there and you're looking for a really cool city to go to for a weekend series, yeah, the it, food's mm-hmm. great, the beer's great, the state, everything about it. Yeah, it, it's a it's fun a, time. It's a really, really cool locale. There's some All right, cool finally, museums. Yeah, it's, an, it's cool. Oh, yeah, no, it's awesome. Finally, our deep thoughts question. Uh, if you could play catch with one person on the field of dreams, who would it be? One player? No, one anybody. <coughs> could be a, you just had to play catch. It doesn't have to be a player. It could be anybody who's no longer with us. Oh, geez, Who would dude. you want to play cats with? You think you gotta you gotta rein these in a little bit. They're way too to wide open. It. First of all, I just should add for every people. Every week, Jim's like, "Oh, you don't give me any prep work." These questions are on our shared Google file, starting on Monday. I didn't think I was supposed to look at them. I thought it was supposed to be you like can, you can look at the, they were the supposed questions. Supposed to be like quick hitters. Like I was supposed to. Yeah, like, with a deep thoughts question, you can never see the answer. We've got to communicate you? better. But who would you who would you like to uh, play catch with? Uh, it could I, be a player. Pick a player then. You know, is there a player you'd like to play catch with? No, probably not. <laughs> so, so why did you bring that up? I don't know. Cool. I'm trying to put parameters around you're, this you're so I don't pressure. have a not, wide open. I think, what, I think what we're learning is you are not great under pressure. Uh, dude, this for is this like, type of question. That's not a good under pressure question. That's. I mean, right now. I would play catch with my grandfather who passed away. Yeah, I like, obviously, that's neat. That's Yeah, well, there's your answer. All right. Well, there's your All right, that's five questions. All right, uh, recommendations for this week. What do you got? Oh, man. Um, what do I got? Uh, I got nothing, honestly. I, I, have, I have been sick and feeling awful. I'm still loving The Outsider, Stephen King. I'm about yeah, 100 still, more pages in. Okay. I, I'm willing to, to are make you the worried about, Are you worried about the ending? Because I know you voiced that before, that uh, King has issues with endings yeah, to films. Yeah, I'm always worried about the ending. Okay. Always. All right, yeah. perfect. Uh, a couple recommendations for me. Uh, first, uh, Ken Burns' baseball series, You know, which is, if you've never seen it, uh, PBS did it back in the 90s. Unbelievable. Yeah, I actually use it in my history courses, little segments of it. Uh, I'm as my students will tell you, I'm kind of a Ken Burns fanatic because I think he does such good stuff. Uh, But his baseball series is really tremendous. Uh, Second thing, of course, our plug and it's only one week away, just one week away. Um, And that is Pale Reason, Saturday, November 17th at 118 North. in Wayne. If you are a viewer in the greater Philadelphia area, and I'm actually going to say this, I'm going to call out um, people who we know who even live in the New York area. Yeah. You know, you should take a trip down. Yeah, Barrio. The Barrio family. Uh, and others, people, other people who we know and, and uh, have reached out to us that they listen to the show, uh, come down. We're all, um, you know, doing okay. You could get a hotel room and <laughs> come down and see Pale Reason. Yeah. It, you know, I think it's justifiable. Uh, we're coming up on close to the 20th anniversary of Pale Reason shows. Um, you oh know, I think, I think, uh... yeah, it's close. 
I think it might be after but, that. Yeah, it might be it. But I'm thinking of, you know, more than just you and Dave playing as Pale Reason. Yeah, you know, sure. when you start playing lots of shows. Uh, oh, my last plug is this. Uh, I am obviously a huge, and we mentioned this all the way back in the last episode, our first episode, Manchester United fan. Uh, every week, if you look over my shoulder, I have one of my different Manchester United jerseys because I have over 20 of them hanging on there. Uh, this weekend is the big Manchester Derby where Manchester United plays Manchester City. I've been using my Manchester United boss in beer cozy how many people uh, you, are gonna die at that game uh no not, not much anymore in england uh they've kind of done away with that thankfully okay. unlike the green street Hooligan yes we should watch stuff. that movie yeah uh which is actually based on the manchester united supporters believe it or not oh. um but this weekend mcgann's pub i will be there sunday 11 30 kickoff of you in the boston area and have never uh experienced going to one of these games i highly recommend it uh jim has come to one uh before it's you don't have to be a big soccer fan to just you know people drinking beer having a good time um it's a good experience yeah and so i will they uh, give you your full english breakfast there brian yes they do yeah. And it's really good. It's actually big, really baked beans and all everything. You got every you get everything. <laughs> full full uh full breakfast. Uh what do we got plug wise? Uh same as always. If you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Majors.com. Uh Brian, you can follow at B Costello Books. You can follow me at Soldier on TV. Uh you can also find us on YouTube. I have been slacking about getting these episodes out. Um, being sick and everything, but I promise they will get up there uh, on YouTube relatively soon. Uh, Jerry's also asking if all the members of Pale Reason are still alive. Um, I believe so. We boys, some are we, missing in action, right? We are not sure that Keenan and Haas are actually the same people we originally played with, but <laughs> they are. I am uh, looking forward to seeing Haas. It's, yeah. it's been quite a while. Haas is, Haas is still a ridiculous human. He he came to practice the other day from the city. He does not have a car anymore. Uh, he lives downtown. He took an Uber X from or no a black an Uber black from the city <laughs> to the practice, costing him a hundred dollars. Oh my god! Yeah. Uh, will some of the uh, usual pale reason fans be in attendance? Do we do we have any confirmations? I have confirmations that the Gregorys will be there, and I am okay. I have confirmation that the Lairds will be there. Okay. My wife will be there. All right. So uh, a lot and you. Of the, so I'm not yeah, sure who that's else. That's pretty much. That's pretty much constitutes the that's team. That's pretty yeah. much every. It's the pretty home much home squad everybody. is pretty much being yeah. represented. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Uh, also, next week I will, of course, be down in Philadelphia. So we're gonna have a special show. Uh, next week's show, we're not doing a movie. This was actually, believe it or not, and this is shocking, our tenth film. That wow. we did. Field of Dreams was our tenth film already. Next week we're doing a special Ask the Com Majors episode, yeah. uh, where we're going to cover some topics. If you're somebody who is catching up on episodes from the past or anything like that, we're going to be taking questions on any of the films we've done so far, or things maybe we didn't talk about that you thought was interesting. Uh, we'll be taking any pop culture related questions you have. Or any just general questions for Jim and I. Uh, so please, we're reaching out. You know, you can send it. Uh, you can comment. I'll put yeah, a post yeah, on yeah. Facebook there. You can email us uh, at our email site, which I'll put in the post. Uh, let us know what you want to hear about in terms of uh, that. Also, next Saturday, and I have been in heavy training for this, I will be involved in my street race against Katie DeSanto. <laughs> who dis besmirched both Jim and I. I'm not, I just want this noted. I'm not just running for myself. 
I'm running for both of us, Jim. That's thank I, you, Brian. Because she, because she, um, <laughs> she called us both out. She questioned our athletic prowess. Yeah. Uh, and I will not be besmirched. And like I'll that. let you know right now for the question episode, uh, due to your mom's request, we will, you will be answering five questions from me. Perfect. Yeah. I am. I am. I. I. I will have an answer for okay. every question. Regardless. Uh, also, just one cla- quick last plug. Uh, remember, we're doing another bestseller to Blockbuster, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. That's going to be November 29th. Yeah. Um, so I am actually I have downloaded the entire audiobook um, to my phone for the drive to Philly. So I'm going to listen. Oh, awesome. To the audiobook, uh, and we're going to be good. We're great. Uh, we got a lot of, I think, hopefully, fun stuff on our next episode when I'm down in Philly. So yeah. I think it'll be great. Uh, thank you to everybody who was tuning in live tonight. We had a bunch yeah. of different people chiming in and tuning in. Uh, and when we next see you, uh, we will be in Philadelphia together. Feel right, better, man. Good. Okay, Thanks, get help. Buddy. All right, I'll talk All to right. you soon. Bye, everybody. Bye.